0: Well, usually when Father's Day and Mother's Day roll around, and we're usually in the midst of a series, and I just kind of keep going, and we actually wrapped up the AHA series a couple weeks ago, and last Sunday was Youth Sunday, so we actually had a Sunday where I wasn't in a series, and so I said, all right, I'll preach on fatherhood. You know, I haven't done that in a long time, and I thought, man, this will be easy. Yeah, not so much. So let let me give you a little context of where I'm speaking out of, kind of the immediate journey that I've been on. and. Some of you are aware that this is my first Father's Day without my father. You know, my dad passed away in January. So uh, this is my first Father's Day without a father. And it's Christina and I's first Father's Day without either one of our fathers alive. And uh, to kind of, and I didn't realize this kind of when I put all the pieces together, but this past week, uh, on Monday, Christina and I flew down to Florida to empty out my parents' house. You know, my mom had died uh, a little less than a year before, and we have a contract on the house. that's supposed to close on June 30th. Praying for all that to work out, and they finished the new tile roof this, when I was past, there this past week, and that kind of stuff. But, but just emptying out the house is a journey. They, they hadn't been in this house a long time, so it's not like I had a lot of emotional attachment to this particular structure. But you're going through pictures and photos and stuff that they owned, and etc. And, and, and. There's all the emotions that kind of go with that, but then also looking at stuff that you have memories related to, and nobody wants it, nobody's got a place for it, so you're just getting rid of it, and it's kind of hard, you know. And then, on top of that, we made our trip down to the cemetery uh, where my dad was buried. My mom was buried there beforehand. It's at the National Cemetery there in Sarasota. And, you know, for the very first time, seeing the gravestone with his name on it. My mom's name is on the back side. That's the way they do it at the military cemeteries. And so her name's on the back side and he's on the front side and going down there for the very first time and 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 and, and witnessing that and and it, it just created a lot of emotion in the midst of all of that and then on top of that today would have been their 57th anniversary. If so if it wasn't enough well, all those kind of dynamics and so here I'm going to be preaching about fatherhood. And, you know, I think, all right, I got, I got a 20-hour truck ride home by myself, you know. Uh, my wife wouldn't ride with me, so I had to drive home by myself while she flew home. She, she said she waved at me as I, uh, you know, from the plane as I was driving up I-95, you know, and that kind of thing. But I, I did have the privilege of being able to stop in D.C. and see my son and daughter-in-law and spend the night with them and, and then drive in and you know, but I said, oh, this is great. I'll just get a passage in mind. I'll have 20 hours to process it. I mean, you, you, it's a U-Haul truck, right? They don't soundproof those things very well. So the thing's loud, and, you know, the radio keeps going in and out, and they don't put the best equipment. So you have a lot of time just to think. And, you know, the, the thing that struck me as I was processing some stuff in Florida before I left and in the journey some of the time in the evenings and the mornings and that, you know, there, there really isn't a go-to passage for fatherhood in the, in the Scriptures, you know, maybe with motherhood you would run to Psalm 31, and you got the ideal and all that kind of stuff, and you can pull out some things. But, but with 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 fatherhood, you got little snippets here and there all over the scriptures. But you really don't have a go-to kind of verse. You got some proverbs that speak to some stuff. I'm going to mention a couple of those a little later, and. Paul offers some encouragement as he talks about what's going on in the church and the transformation to the family that's happening because of the impact of the gospel and, you know, that kind of thing. But you don't have like a passage that just lays out, okay, here's how you be a dad. You just don't have that. In some ways, it's kind of like the whole book tells us about how to be a father because it tells us about our heavenly father, and it's kind of like, we'll just go out and do that. And, you know, so you got all these emotions running around. you got you got... Really no kind of go to kind of place in the scripture, and you get all these thoughts and, and you just you know I thought boy I'd be able to zero this all down, it just kind of fractured' There's just all kinds of ideas running through my heart and mind and and and, I, and to kind of bring that back today, kind of the 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 point I, I want to get across to all of us today and then from there be able to make just a few comments is 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 us processing all of this and this twenty hour ride home and thinking about the entirety of what it really means to be a father, to be a parent, to be a representative of God in your home and that kind of stuff. To, you know, what, what, was a, what was a point that I really needed to kind of get across? And, and, and the thing that really struck me was that, you know, as I'm thinking about my journey with my dad and through his 81 years and, and all that kind of stuff and is, is, you know, you, you, you never really stop being a dad. Now, that's not very profound, but let me back up just a little bit. Christina knows this, but I I, I love reading every once in a while a a biography on on a great leader from kind of the ancient world. Right now, I'm working through an 800-page book on Napoleon, you know. I'm on page like 325 or something, you know, and... and, um, and, and it's one of those books where you get into it, you really want to finish it, but you say, why did I ever start this? You know, it's, just, it's so long, you know. But I've read books, of, you know, about various leaders, you know, Winston Churchill and Catherine the Great and this and that and that kind of stuff. And, you know, and and the obsession of the kings in the old days was, can my queen give me a son? I mean, that, you know, that's what made Henry Eighth part of his big thing. Like, I need a son, you know, and he kept revolving queens in and out. But... We know now that the queen doesn't have anything to do with it, right? It's the father. The father is the one who determines, if you will, is the creator of the sex or the gender of his offspring. And the thought that kind of struck me is that role of being the creator, the shaper of our children, it doesn't ever stop. You know, there's parts of me that wish I could have turned it off when they turned 18 that's it, you're done, you know, or 21, that's it, I'm done. Now we're just adult friends, you know. But it doesn't work that way. You know, I thought about my own journey with my dad. Every single phase of my life that I'm going to go through, he taught me how to do it first. You know, you could make it related to something tangible. You know, first he taught me how to wash a car. To me more specifically, he taught me how to wash his car. You know, you start in a roof, and then you work your way down, and you spray from the top down, and you, you know, you always want to make sure you make the, you know, all that. and then, then from there, you, you, you know, he taught me how to, to drive a car, and then he taught me how to change the oil on a car, then he taught me how to buy a car, and then he kind of was a part of the process of deciding when is it time to get rid of a car, and to get another car and all those kinds of things. you know, and, and, and every single phase, now that's just related to a car, but he taught me in many ways is how to be a, a young adult. My dad was 28 when I was born. And then through him, I saw him, I got to watch on how to be a husband. Some of those parts I, I, I really prize and want to repeat and live out, if you will, incarnate my own relationship with Christina. A few pieces, not so much, but everybody's different, you know. But he taught me how to be a husband, and he taught me how to be a parent, and he taught me how to be a grandparent, though I haven't gotten to that stage yet. You know, and, and there's ways in which he, he taught me how to live, and then over these last few years, he's also taught me kind of how the journey is to death as well. You know, in and, and, and every single phase of my journey he went there first and God used him as a shaper or a teacher in my life all the way along. You never stop being a dad. You never stop being a mom. We, 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 we are, have this creative role, if you will, in the lives of our children all the way along. And that to me is a powerful thought. You know, you and I as dads, you and I as parents, have a continual place of influence or of guidance of being the creator of our children throughout the journey of life, whether they're they don't, they're not even one yet, or whether they're 20 months old, or two and a half years old, or whether they get up to where they're five years old, or they're graduating from high school, or graduating from college, or deciding. You know, all the way along that journey, we have this role in their lives of shaping them. And, and as this thought of the fact that we are always creator in the lives of our children, we are always teachers in the lives of our children, I, I just have a couple of thoughts For us today related to that message. And again, the scripture goes out in so many different places, and I'm going to try to pull a few in and just to try to to build some thoughts for us today related to all of this. But first of all, I want to speak to us kids first, okay? Um, Neither one of my parents are alive anymore. Christina's mom's alive. She's here in our service today. Many of you still have living parents, blessing, and et cetera. But the very... what, What is the best gift... That you can give to your dad? What's the best gift that you can give to your mom, if you will? What's the best gift that you can give to your parents? I mean, today I, Christina gave me my Father's Day gift from her and the boys and, and my daughter in law. I got a couple of shirts because I spill food in my shirts. I stain them. I need to constantly replace them. So I got a couple of new shirts. And I also got a round of golf to the Owl's Nest golf course up in upstate New Hampshire. Somebody saw me in the lobby and said, I played there before. You need to bring a lot of extra balls. So I'm really looking forward to the experience of hitting these white objects into the woods and then getting poison ivy and getting bitten by mosquitoes and then dropping a ball out and saying, don't count that and then hit it. You know. Anyway, so it'll be wonderful. It's a beautiful-looking course. I'm looking for a lot of fun. and that kind of, But, you know, we, somebody asked me, is that a new tie? Is that a Father's Day tie? No. Some of you probably got ties today. What is the best gift that you can give to your parents? Give to your dad today, and and I want to relate this to what I'm just talking about. If your dad has a role of being a shaper, a creator, an influencer in your life, then here's the, the word I have: to, the best gift you can give to him is allow him to be your teacher. Allow, just listen to your dad. You don't have to do everything he tells you. You know, certainly there may ways in which you need to first live and listen to your heavenly father and then. There, filter what your earthly father teaches you, but give your father that place in your life to be your teacher, to be your guide, your shaper. Don't tune him out because he doesn't know how to tweet, you know, or he doesn't have a Facebook account because you think he's, you know, he's antiquated or whatever, you know, or his car still, don't, but involve your dad, let's just listen to some scriptures. And you might want to write, write some of this down, and, and just the references. But just, I'm just going to quote three Proverbs to you. And I'll give you the Proverbs, first of all, Proverbs 1, 8. Where he starts out and says, Hear, my son, your father's instructions. The gift that you can give to your dad is to respond to the instruction of the Heavenly Father to listen. To your dad's. Hear your dad's instructions. Don't shut him out. Just don't give him, you know, ear times where it's in one ear and out the other kind of idea. But but allow your father to have a place in your life and to let him speak into your life and share his wisdom. The next phase of where you're going, let, let your dad be a part. Proverbs 13.1 says a wise son accepts his father's discipline. Now this may be a little bit more of a of a word to those of you who are still living at home with your parents, but it's still this word to say, you know what, when, when my parents get on my case and they put me in the timeout chair, if you're little enough, or the proverbial timeout chair when they take the keys to the car away from you or ground you or whatever, or take away from your phone, take your phone away from you, there's an aspect in which we accept our parents' discipline, their role in shaping us about the things that are important, the things that are right and wrong. And then Proverbs 23, maybe it kind of brings both of those together where it says, listen to your father who begot you. i got to tell you, some of the, 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 the best gift that you can give to your dad, one of the best gifts that you can give to yourself is to listen to our Heavenly Father where he says, listen to your dad. Let your dad be a part of your life. Let your dad shape your life process. I, you know, I, I remember all the way along through my journey that as I was thinking about major shifts in my life, whether you know, I remember when we, we were deciding as we were finishing up seminary, should we stay in Texas and stay at the school and go on and get a PhD and, or a DMIN or whatever I was going to do, or, or should we get back to New England and get in ministry where we felt God had, had called us to. And I remember talking about those things with my dad. And And they were insightful for me, not completely determinative, but insightful. I remember processing with him, you know, about the first house that we bought or when we sold the house and buying a new house and whether or not I should leave the church plant that we were in in Hanover and go to the convention. There's many ways in which I involve my dad in that connection. It's a powerful thing to do. So listen to your dad. Value. Seek his wisdom. Be teachable. But I want to share most of our thoughts, my thoughts today with us dads about our role as these teachers, the shapers of our children. And if you would, just turn over to Ephesians chapter 6 with me. It's really more just kind of a tangent passage. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, you'll find our text today on page 997. Ephesians chapter 6, we're just going to focus on verse 4. It really is a touch point. It, it, it picks up a theme that the Apostle Paul talks about in several different places in his letter. Very same theme, kind of in Colossians chapter three, verse twenty-one. Same theme as he comes across in First Thessalonians two eleven. But here as he's writing to the church at Ephesus, a church that he had a deep connection with, he understood that the gospel had been changing the nature of relationships. It was revolutionizing. It, and people were wondering what does that really mean in terms of the child parent relationship, the husband and wife relationship, the 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 owner-slave relationship, all these different pieces that came in there. And as he's writing to them, and they're trying to manage, you know, as every member of the family now understood that they were valuable and priceless and on equal standing before God and that kind of thing, in a world in which the Roman father had control over the family. I mean, he he literally had the power of life and death. It wasn't done very often, but he had absolute control. If If he said you couldn't get married, even if you were 35, you couldn't get married. He had absolute control over things. And here we have the gospel coming in, revolutionizing all of that. And let me just read verses 1 through 4 in, of chapter 6, and we'll focus just on chapter 4. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, because this is right. We've just been talking about that. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may have a long life in the land. And verse 4, And fathers... Don't stir up anger in your children. Don't try to break them. Don't try to harm them. Don't don't try to destroy their spirits or somehow mold it in a different... Says, But bring them up. Edify. Encourage them. Exhort them. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. I want to offer a few things for us dads today about what to teach our children. And our, our time's kind of getting away from us and I'll be quick and hopefully this stuff will be valuable to you. But, you know... Let me say the thing that you, you expect me to say up front. So we, we need to be able to teach. We, we need to teach our children God's truth. I, I don't care if they're 3, they're 13, they're 23, or they're 53. We need to be sharing God's truth with them. And, and that means we need to be in the Word. We need to be learning from the Word. We need to be growing in the Word. I, I told John Scudieri is on his way out today. Some of you know John. You know John's been to Rwanda with me you know, John, a few years ago, he probably wouldn't have told you he's a real big, huge Bible guy. He's not the guy who's going to be, the, you know, the teacher every single way. But But John just has a love for God and, and a challenge. And, you know, this past year when we went to Rwanda, he taught himself the book of Titus and taught it to these pastors. He did an incredible job, you know. And, and just passing on that word to our, to our children and, and allow it to direct our lives. And you expect me to say that part. Let me, let me pass on a, a different truth, I think, that we need to, to live out before our children, something we need to train them in. And I don't know how this is going to sound to you, but, you know, I, I, to me, this is, this is, I think it's a profound word for our generation. You know, and, and one of the greatest things that we as dads can pass on to our children, again, whether they're Preschoolers, or whether they're young adults, or whether they're already meeting adults, one of the greatest things that we can begin to teach and share with our children is that being responsible, being committed, doing what's right, what's right, really is the most fulfilling way to do life. I don't, I don't think we live in a generation that really prizes that anymore. You know, we we, we celebrate a thing where, where 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 it's about us and people doing whatever they have to do in order for them to be happy. And we just kind of live in that kind of thing. And I got to tell you what, guys, if we live out before our families, that being committed to our spouses, being committed to our children, being committed to our careers and being good employees or employers and et cetera, and we, and we take all of that package, just what's doing, what's right, being committed to God, being committed to the church, being committed to God's kingdom. Just take all that stuff, we put it all together, and we actually model for our children that this is a great way to live life. That's a great gift to give to people. Not to be... More, oh man, I gotta go to work today again. If I didn't have you kids, I didn't have to wouldn't have to work this hard, you know, and that kind of stuff. And if I didn't have to work, help you get through college, I wouldn't have this new guy. You know, we, we can do all that kind of stuff, right? But I gotta tell you, one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our children, to our families, to our to our grandkids, we pass down a legacy is that doing what's right, being faithful, being committed, being responsible is the way to actually live the best kind of life there is to live and for you and i not only to live lives like that but to actually enjoy it and thrive in it and be blessed by it that's why when jesus said you know if you love me you'll just go do whatever you want and i'll just bless it that's not what he says says you love me you obey my commandments you know the way to unleash all that stuff is 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 to do what's right in the eyes of god and as that happens Joy fills us, and to live that life out before our children is a powerful legacy to give. And we can start that today if we haven't been doing it already. You know, I thought about my dad a little bit, you know. My dad always worked hard, but he enjoyed working hard. It's a legacy that he passed on. It it wasn't, you know, and I remember when I was in high school, you know, we we lived close enough to the high school that we didn't have a bus. But I don't want to walk like the 1.1 mile or miles or whatever it was to get to the high school. And Before I could drive, before I had a car, that kind of stuff. And so I, he, he used to go right by the high school right about the time I needed to get there. So I just started riding with him to work. My, my dad was the owner, right? He was the boss. And he could have gone in anytime he wanted to, you know. But he always wanted to be there on time. He wanted to get there pretty much before anybody else because he wanted to set a good example and I remember at times him yelling at me because I wasn't ready on time and that kind of stuff. And, I, and I'd be saying, like, "What does it matter? You're the boss. Nobody's gonna yell at you or kind of stuff, you know." But but it was just part of it. It was the right thing to do, and it mattered to him. And he lived it out. And he didn't find it to be a burden. He found it to be something that actually released him. And and and, and so I, I think about that in the, his his work and owning this business. And then, you know, just on the weekends, he was he was always. He was always working hard to take care of that which we had, whether it was the home that we had in Sudbury or, or the, the place that we belonged to, the extended family up in New Hampshire. I can just remember times, you know, I think my dad worked all week, and then you see him on a Saturday, you know, he'd have on a cruddy pair of old pants kind of hanging off of one hip a little bit, you know, and sweat coming down his forehead. And we'd all be swimming in the lake, and he'd be working on the house. And, and it was all part of, of, of modeling. And, and, and he found that stuff to be releasing, to be fulfilling, to bring joy to him. And I tell you what, that's a great legacy to pass on, that doing the right things, being faithful, being committed, is actually the things that energizes you and brings you joy. That's, that's a gift that we can pass on to our kids and to our grandkids. You know, I thought about it the same way. You know, my, my parents lived for, for most of their adult life. They, had, they, they owned some form of waterfront property. And, and I don't know except for a few times of seeing my father in the pool in Florida, or a couple of times when we were in the Caribbean on family trips when I was in high school. I don't remember my father ever going swimming. You know, and I'm thinking, Dad, why do you own waterfront property? I mean, you hate the water. He always owned boats, but he hardly ever drove them. He waited till we got there, and then we'd take him for a ride, you know. He had these personal watercrafts, you know, and I, the the One or two times he took it out, he almost sank them, so he just never went out in them again. But, but he would never get rid of them because they were for us. And, and he was a guy who found joy in bringing delight to those who were the central part of his life. What a, what a gift to pass along and what I'm grateful for. Got a couple more. And maybe this is a bit redundant, but I, I feel like it needs to stay needs to be said. You know, we, we have this idea of teaching the truth and, and passing on that instruction to the Lord. We, I think modeling and embracing and incarnating and being real in our own lives that, that being right, doing the right things for the right th- reasons at the right times, et cetera, is not something that constrains us, but something that releases us, that brings us to... I, I think that's a powerful thing. And, and I think that the third is, uh, I, I just really think that we need to model to our children. That we're enjoying the journey. That life isn't a burden. Life is a joy. And we need to take time along the ways to celebrate. You know, the scripture says, rejoice always. It doesn't say rejoice sometimes, it doesn't say just rejoice when you got the raise or the promotion, the new job, whatever. It says, rejoice always. and there's ways in which we just need to laugh and to celebrate and to enjoy one another to party a little bit, you know, and all that. We need to enjoy the journey. You know, I remember when my parents, you know, were, they were getting ready to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary, and then shortly thereafter they were going to have their 75th birthdays. And you know what gift they gave to themselves? They took all of us, including the grandkids, on a cruise, they figured if we were on a ship, we couldn't get very far away, right? You know, we, and, and the way they do that is you all have to come to the table at night for dinner, right? You all sit in the same place. And that, that's why they just wanted the family. They wanted to celebrate together as a family. And, and, you know, and it's not about the dollars. You may not be able to afford to do that. You may have too many grandkids or whatever. I understand all of that. But there's a way to enjoy the journey, to celebrate the good things in our lives on an ongoing basis. And I think that's a tremendous gift to pass on. It's a tremendous gift to pass on. And maybe the last thing loops back to where we started. If as children, if the greatest gift that we can give to our parents, to give to our dads is to stay teachable from them, one of the great gifts that we can give to our children is for us to stay teachable before the Father. And that really is our transition into the Lord's Supper experience today. You know, in Luke's version of that account, he he has Jesus saying to the disciples, do this in remembrance of me. I I, I want you to recall, I want you to keep learning from what it is that I've done for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we're going to come to the Lord's Supper today. Together. And I, I just want to read these verses from Luke and then offer a prayer and invite those during my prayer to go, who are going to help serve the Lord's Supper so to go ahead and take their stations. But as Jesus gathered with his disciples that night, very last night of his earthly life, it says he took bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and he gave it to them and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So every time you break the bread and you eat it, Let it teach you something about me. It says, in the same way you also took the cup after supper, saying this cup is a new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. It brings us into a new way of living, a new relationship with God, a relationship in which we're always growing, changing, learning. We always have the need to be taught. Let me just lead us in a prayer, and we'll come to our celebration of the Lord's Supper together. God, thanks for being our teacher. Thanks for being our father. Thanks for being a father who is willing to sacrifice his son for us. As we come to your table today, we ask you to teach us. We ask you to change us. Father, as we remember that the only reason there was a need for a cross was because of us. As we were in need of a savior, a redeemer, someone who was worthy to die in our place, that we might experience new life with you through him. And so, Father, we, we say to you today that we're sorry for that, but we're also grateful that you loved it enough to die for us. God, as we come to your table today, we ask you to teach us. Teach us how to be your children. Teach us how to show our children how to be your children. We ask it in Jesus' name.